Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the game review room. Uh, I'm Max Murray, your host. I'm here today with Michael Chamberlain and Cesare Patterson. The game review room is a podcast in which we take a board game or card game we haven't played before, run it through the grinder, and then give our impressions afterwards. Today we have a game by uh, Blue Panther Games called Rasputin. Now I'm rather actually excited about this. It's uh, sort of a historical board game, so it's right up my alley, and I believe it's up yours as well, Mike. And who doesn't love Rasputin? I mean, history's most unkillable man, as the game itself markets him as. There's great cult of personality around it, even now. Um, this game is made by a man named Bob West. I believe we have a clip from the man himself. We have quite a clip from the man. Here it is. Hello everyone, what you have in your hands is Rasputin, a game for two to four players where everyone's goal is to be the first to kill history's most unkillable man, Grigory Yefimovich Rasputin, the Russian monk who was stabbed, poisoned, shot, and drowned, yet lived long enough to sell the movie rights. Tightly packed inside the deceptively small box, you'll find the rulebook, 236 cards, the game board, which represents the Winter Palace in St. Petersburg, and pawns representing Rasputin, his eight personal guards, and the four players. In addition, you'll find concealment tokens for when you want to use your assassin abilities to disappear into the woodwork, fire tokens for when you want to burn down the woodwork, and a first-player marker to keep track of things when you are overcome by the fumes from disappearing into burning woodwork. The mechanics of the game are largely battle card driven, meaning that what you are able to do at any given moment is determined by the cards in your hand. And while everyone starts with a matching deck of 50 cards, each player must then choose the 25 you'll actually be able to use during the game. How you customize your deck will be based on the type of person and or ruthless killer you are, so you could go for brute force or subterfuge or stealth or speed or pyromania or any combination that comes to mind. Now, just to make things difficult for his would-be assassins, Rasputin has his own personal deck of cards that allows him to move around the board autonomously, and his guards also move autonomously based on a simple decision tree. To kill Rasputin, you'll need to attack him several times to learn his four secrets of escaping death. But of course, once you learn some of Rasputin's secrets, you then become a target for the other players who will only be too happy to beat those secrets out of you. Well, that's the game in a nutshell. Being your first time, it should take you a little over an hour to play, but once you've got the mechanics down, a typical game is usually under an hour. Goodbye for now, and remember, as Rasputin once said, whatever doesn't kill you is really freaking annoying. Alright, Michael, do you want to um, do you want to give a quick run through the rules before we start looking at the pieces? I'd better do it now before I'm too intoxicated from fumes from hiding in burning woodwork. <laughs> <laughs> um, the game board is a grid, which is, as we've heard, the Winter Palace. You've got certain rooms, you've got corridors between them, walls to block lines of sight. And we're going to be moving around this grid trying to get close enough to Rasputin to kill him. The way we're going to try and do this is by using cards that give us attack abilities, trying to dodge the guards by creating distractions for them, putting other people in their line of sight and to avoid them coming after us. And when we try to kill Rasputin, we're going to run into the trouble that he's not very good at dying. So the game's <laughs> going to match reality on that one. Um, we've got a deck of fake cards that, as well as determining the direction he will move in randomly, will be what we're attacking against there are four symbols every time we get past a symbol when attacking him we'll be able to take that card for ourselves and be able to dodge fighting that symbol again next time if we don't have it it's got a number on it we need to use the cards in our hand to exceed that power value to get past if we can get past seven cards yes seven cards 
we can actually kill Rasputin and win the game. There are only four of these symbols, so the luck of the draw means that you could get through a lot of cards very quickly. If you've got all four symbols, you've got nothing to worry about. The trouble is that other players can beat you up to take your cards as well. So it's not just the guards trying to arrest you and stop you drawing as many cards. It's not just the fact that Rasputin's a pain in the backside and just won't die. Every other player around the table is likely to be out for your blood at some point in time. We each have our own decks of 25 cards, which for the first playthrough are identical. But if you're playing the full game, and we're going to have a look through the decks of cards so as we can be sure to give our opinions on those when we come back after playing, you get 50 cards and you get to design your own deck, as Bob's told us. And that sounds incredibly deep. I'm really hoping this doesn't disappoint a lot of potential in concept, I think. Now, uh, I'm not a quitter, but I don't fancy our chances of killing Rasputin very much. <laughs> yeah, when a man's found with ice under his fingernails because he just won't die, what can you do? <laughs> so, uh, all right, let's have a look at the um, the actual production values. Now, this is a, um, a review copy. The game isn't out yet, so uh, things may change slightly from the actual full release. But um, on first impressions, it's a, it's a very strange mixed bag. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but um, I saw it before all the pieces were punch out, so all the guards and the player characters are all essentially wooden figures that you punch out of a flatboard and stick together. Yep. In the box, they look terrible. I didn't like them at all. However, seeing them actually standing up on the board, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, they do look pretty interesting. I would... I would say that I've noticed whenever you pick one up, they uh, they don't seem to slot together very well. Um, they've got a little crisscross designed uh, to stand them up, and and they don't quite wedge in. You know, it's pretty loose. But I think that's yeah. intentional, so that okay. if you want to take them apart, it's not an issue. Oh, to pack away. At if the you end. if you pick up the actual the correct side, you'll find that they don't. Okay. You just have to pick up the actual bottom crisscross, and they're fine. Yeah. So um, I, I actually think it's an intentional thing. They've made them slightly wider so that you know it's not an issue to take them apart if you need to. You know they don't get stuck or broken in that sort of way. But a storage thing. Yeah, I do like that. Even though they're not painted, well, they're you know just a solid color. They do have ever so slight etches into the woodwork to give them detail, and it's different for every single little piece and if you look every single one is different they're, they're, they're yeah, the guards are two all are, individual not any two are the same they're, they're, each one is unique it's, it's really nice and yet really confusing this is not the way I'm used to seeing games produced and that's messing with my head I think people who are used to games from Victory Point will be used to this sort of FDF woodwork that's been laser cut quality of a product um, I remember looking at it and thinking why not just use meeples or discs? And now they're mm. punched out and standing up. I can see why you wouldn't do that. This is a much better effect on the table. But yeah. it does baffle me. <laughs> I had exactly the same thought with regards to meeples. You know, they're easier to contain. You don't have to punch them together. Um, they're less likely to break. But um, stylistically, this is great because the, the entire thing has an almost Russian retro feel to it. Not just... Not just the designs of the guards, but the board, even even the manual that comes with it, almost looks like a a newspaper, you know, yeah. a retro newspaper. It, it, it's got a real theme going through it, and and yeah. it really works. The FDF thing continues through the board as well, which is once again not standard issue. We're not dealing with a cardboard board that folds. 
This is four jigsaw-style quadrants to the board that lock together. And at first I couldn't understand why. You know, it didn't make sense to me why. It makes perfect sense. It's absolutely flat. There's no folding from a board. It's absolutely dead flat. You know, the the wood's not going to warp, or in theory, uh, and and the way it interlocks. There's no way these pieces are ever going to topple. It's it's I wonder if that was intentional, if they knew because they were going to have little figurines that actually stand up on the board and move around that ain't curves whatsoever that would you know wobble which it looks nice and sturdy because of that. i'm gonna give them the credit that it was <laughs> <laughs> i'll go out here listeners and turn around and say i think few people have as much loathing for a slightly distorted board as max does yeah, yeah i complain about that in this podcast quite a lot <laughs> yeah yeah this is much better so it, it definitely looks it looks interesting it's quite stylistic definitely has potential it has rasputin um yes that yeah. that's a plus point we've got these fire tokens as well these very flat stars i can see why they have to be this shape because we're going to need to be able to put the guards on top of them i still think they look nice as standees though We've got one last intensely unusual component. Is that the cards? Oh, yes. Okay, first of all, there is a nice gloss finish on the card. Thickness, okay. If you crease one of these, though, they're not going to survive. The height is of a standard card, but they're narrower than your average card. About two-thirds the width, do we think? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. How that's going to play, maybe there's reason for it we'll see but i don't know i do prefer a standard size card the best thing about this is what michael pointed out because they've got the the name of the game rasputin on the back it just looks like his personal business cards here you go i'm rasputin here's my card (laughs) there's Um, definitely something business card about the shape of these uh I, i don't like the fact that they're glossy i'd much rather have a matte just just a bit of grip they're they're a bit too slippery for me i'm not too keen on that but I don't think that in, in, in the long run it's going to matter to the game any. I, I think we're all traditionalists in as much as we'd rather have seen a standard size card and then sleeve them, but yeah, that, yeah. that's our hang-up. As cards go, the quality is good enough to play the game, but if you're going to give them a lot of wear, you're not they going to find sleeves it. for these. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, last thing really left is the box. Which uh, a nice portrait of the man himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. Look at his beard. You just want to stroke it. Uh, as you can guess, it's got a picture of Rasputin on the front in a sort of tinged blood red. The entire, the entire picture and the name at the front. That's pretty much it. The back's also got a rather sort of almost retro '80s board game style picture with um, the manual and all the cards and pieces laid out. Um, it, it's. Pretty standard sort of box. It's a decent size, about the size of a Munchkin box, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 not huge. It's but it's perfect what it is. It's quite thick. There's no real complaints about it at all. It definitely stands out. There's no way you're going to walk past a, a shelf and not go, <laughs> "What is that?" <laughs> this man's eyes follow you around the room. It's not the Mona Lisa. Hello, Gregory Rasputin. <laughs> so um, that's pretty much it. Shall we? Uh, shall we? Attempt, and I use that word in uh, <laughs> brackets there, to kill Rasputin. Welcome back, everyone. We've had our uh, 
our first go at Rasputin, and uh, I like to think we got friendly with old Raspy there, the amount of times we were killed. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Michael, what did you think? For a game that has so many parts that could have gone wrong, I can't think of anything to actually pull it apart on. Every component felt balanced, the rules made sense. Granted, we had to refer to the rule book quite a bit at first to get our heads around them, and there were certain things that we looked at and you knew intuitively that you were doing something wrong because the rest of the rules were so well written that glitch could not be in there. Yeah, yeah. Once, once we sorted out, you know, uh, all the little fine details, it was immensely well balanced. Yeah. In both uh, cards for, for their abilities compared with their power levels, um, the way the guards moved around, everything was, was really well. It was, it was just right in every level. Yeah. Yeah, I think the guard movement in particular... Uh, it seemed because they all head towards Rasputin it got a bit clustered but when one of them do die they go back to their starting position and that evens it out spreads out the board so you're even if you get to a point that you're surrounded it will clear itself again Um, yeah it was was nice because then they spread out behind everyone and start moving in again so there's always you know a lot of competition to get there there's a lot of competition yeah. to have a fight with him and then you sort of start from square one when he inevitably kills you so yeah the the autonomous movement you always feel you're involved with it because yeah. where your characters are and how close they are to the guards will pull them towards you or you can start fires that draw the guards attention or they're going to be moving in on Rasputin to block your path they're always relevant I really like the variety of cards as well that powers as you say about the fire but uh, being able to walk through walls, uh, move yeah. guards, or either you know that are next to you away, or, or or trap other assassins next to them. Yeah. So um, you know, there's quite a lot of ways of dealing with things to to just clear space to actually get a shot at Rasputin. But then you use a lot of your cards to do that, yeah. which leaves you less to actually fight him. So you've got to try and balance out what's more important. Do you, do you wait another turn to have a shot at him, but have more cards, or do you go for it now before? You, the other assassins get a chance so there, there is quite a lot of depth to it as well yeah. yeah and whether you're going to take on another assassin and try and take the cards that way or whether you're going to go for Rasputin himself because if you're going to go for Rasputin you can play for more cards you can learn more of his secrets and get to the ways to kill him but going for a player you can target that one card you still need which is what you did in the end Max yeah yeah but through through Cesare as opposed to me yeah. I was going to take a shot at Rasputin but Cesare um got in his line of sight so good uh, <laughs> yeah so you attacked me lost and because you had the last of the four cards i needed uh, yeah. basically meant i won immediately just yeah. by the time it got to my turn because you were before me that's another great thing about it uh because everyone has their only hand and it's concealed you uh you don't know what they're holding so when you go into battle they could have fewer cards but much higher numbers and it's gamble you take yeah, I mean, you you had well, at least two fives and two fours. You had some high powered cards, yeah. But because but yours I, were all maxed yeah. out. <laughs> I'd been doing the same, trying to gun for Rasputin, trying to kill him with just three. So I built up some power cards. So fortunately, I had more than you. It's yeah. basically what it boiled down to. You you had powerful ones, but I just had more cards in hand to deal with it. I did like with cards as well that um, a lot of the higher numbered cards did the more special actions. So the lower numbered uh, ones like, like Run hmm. or Vanish were one point cards that you'd use up more quickly 
uh, go through that, that were yeah. more usable to help you get around more quickly. So you, you didn't really think twice about using them, you know, whereas your higher numbered cards you held back um, for, for your special... The high number you know, cards were a lot more these. situational, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the low numbered were, were, I found their abilities definitely more useful, as you say, but the problem is if you have too many in hand, then you don't have the power to attack Rasputin. So yeah. once again, it's all about balance. Rasputin's been built beautifully around balance and it really works. Yeah. The end of turn mechanic about drawing, I really love that. The fact that you can take two cards blind off the deck or you can pull a card back out of your discard pile to use again. Yeah, really, really, really good. You know, you can have something specific you want or take a gamble. And towards the end, I was doing the same thing, a mixture of both, because I knew I had high power cards in my graveyard and I was going to take one last shot. So I wanted to start dragging some of those out again. But at the same time, I didn't have many cards, so I had to take some from my, other, from my main deck to uh, just try and bump the numbers up just in case I needed some others. So yeah, no, it worked really well. Um, we've taken a look at the extra cards you can deck build from. Not one of them leaps out to us as overpowered or breaking rules that shouldn't be touched. It's, it's an awful lot of more of the same. But in this game, that's good, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing in there that, oh, well, I'll win using those. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. the card that stepped out most was the one that meant that you could automatically win fights against other assassins with this card, which just opened up the entire idea that you could run around the board, never intending to take Rasputin on yourself until the very end. You were going to gun for other players. It's sure. a possibility, yeah. Difficult to pull off, though, because I think there was only two of them, wasn't there? And while you yeah. can drag him out of your graveyard... You've still got to catch up with the other assassins who certainly aren't going to want to be near you if you use one. <laughs> yeah, but then that's the deck building side of it, isn't it? Do you put one in your deck? If the opportunity comes up, you'll take it. Your opponents won't know it's there. There's another beautiful aspect to it. If you're going to get deeper into this game, you've got so many places you can go with learning strategies. Yeah. For a game with so much that could have gone wrong, this is really well executed. Yeah. Did I mention I love how flat the board is, just in case it wasn't <laughs> apparently clear in the first half of the Might this have done. Excellent. It's a fair point. We talked about the components, etc. The pieces were fine going around the board. Yeah. The tokens were all fine. The cards, I didn't notice they were any different once we were playing. No, no. no. The size and texture, none of that got in the way. Right, everyone. Uh... Three out of three gamers approve this game, I think. Yes. Wholeheartedly. Yeah, it's a solid thumbs up. Except Raspy, who's face down in the board. Dead. <laughs> Hooray! Thank you for listening. Your hosts for this podcast have been Paco, Michael and Max. This podcast has been produced by Michael Chamberlain with help from Paco Garcia. The music has been composed by Kevin We would love to hear from you. Feedback and your questions are always welcome and you can email us at podcast.gmsmagazine.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, we are at GMS Magazine, and we are on Facebook and Google Plus and we'll be more than happy to talk to you. Remember to subscribe to the GMS Magazine podcast channel in iTunes and please do give us a review and a rating, it is truly appreciated. For more quality shows, listen to our other rooms, the RPG room, the board game room and the interview rooms. But, until next time, let the games continue. Look at his beard. (laughs) You just want to stroke it.